0: Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8 30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. What a great, great day this is. I, it is so good to be together. And, you know, I thought that's the way you did communion every time when you served it. I didn't know it any better. And, uh, see your faces, you're, you're much better looking than I thought you were going to be, <laughs> for the most part, anyway. <laughs> uh, we do need to introduce ourselves again, because <laughs> it's different, you know, when you don't have a, a mask on, so uh, uh, it's, it's like a second congregation here. This is the third service, you know, I'm not, I'm not used to seeing faces, but I like it, and I'm, I'm glad that, that, uh, that we get to, get to share communion and uh, see each other's faces. It's a very good thing. I am uh, I, a fan of both older songs and newer songs and fast songs and slow songs. And I, I love how, I think we saw this today, I, I love how some of the older classic hymns find new life when they're sung in, uh, in uh, companionship with some of the newer songs. Um, you know, I love uh, one of my all-time favorites, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And just that reminder... That uh, all I have ever needed, thy hand has provided. What a, what a timeless message that is. Uh, and then we also sang songs that just remind us that, that God makes a way through everything. No matter what we're going through in life, God will make a way through that. And I think that's really, um, I appreciate Abby for choosing those songs because I think they're a really good lead-in to what we're going to be talking about today. Two weeks ago, we kind of did a transition really from talking about uh, aligning our lives with the will of God, which is what repentance is, um, to moving into talking about how God is. God provides a resource for doing that. Um, it's not like God said, okay, here's the book, read it, figure it out, and I hope, to, hope you can solve the problem, solve the puzzle, and you can make it home to heaven. Um, God, God has provided these incredible resources that the greatest of which is the Holy Spirit. And we saw two weeks ago that whenever we made a decision to make Jesus Lord of our lives and we died to self and we were buried with Him in baptism, that uh, what Peter said in Acts chapter 2 is, God gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit in a way that we had not experienced before. And now He's living in us and and dwelling among us. And we looked last time in Romans 8 and saw that... uh, this, whereas we have this great resource, this incredible power that comes from the Holy Spirit, it is also our decision to tap into that power. And so we heard Paul say about how we needed to be focused on things of the Spirit, not things of, of this world, this earthly, earthly life, um, and just all that he talked about. And that when we do that, that his Spirit uh, affirms with our Spirit that we are God's children. Well, I want to go back to that same passage today, to um, Romans chapter 8, the same chapter anyway, and pick up and, and hear how Paul kind of expands on that, and kind of keeping in mind that what we're really talking about here is how God is for us, and God is, is working with us to, uh, to get us home. So this, this uh, next section begins with this verse. There we go. Uh, where he says that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We just got to stop there for a minute. I think this is one of the most encouraging verses in all of the Bible. The Holy Spirit helps us with our weakness. What a good, good thing it is to have help. I remember a song many years ago um, that was uh, kind of a, we'd sing in church uh, sometimes. It was called Where No One Stands Alone. Any of you remember that, that song? And I really hope it's not your all-time favorite, because i got to tell you, I'm not a fan. <laughs> uh, I remember some good things in it, but I, really I wasn't that great of a fan. And I, and I realized that uh, that was the title track to one of Elvis' albums, so I know I'm on thin ice here to criticize that song. But, but I, I really had a couple of issues with it, one of which was in the chorus that it just got so high. And I remember, you know, the song leader would just bust a gut trying to trying to reach those high notes in in that song. We lived in Florida for many years, and there was one of our song leaders was a, this bodybuilder, and I think that song was actually part of his workout uh, because when we, when he would lead that man, his you know his face was turning red, and uh, the veins on his neck were bulging out, and I thought the guy was going to have a stroke. I really did. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a bad song when you have to call 911 when you're singing it. You know, in fact, I thought maybe they should have given it that number in the hymnal. This you know, let's all turn to 911, and while we're at it, someone dial it because we're going to need it in a minute. You know, so that was part of it. But really, the the bigger problem I had with that song was uh, in one of the verses. You're singing along, and there's this line that says, There's nothing in the whole wide world that's worse than being alone. And you could you could just feel the darkness descend on single people when we would sing that. And I was a widower once, and so I could identify with that. You know, you, you come to church and you're you know, you're just feeling the love of, of God and love of people, and then all of a sudden we all say, and there's nothing in the whole wide world than being alone, and you could just, everyone just kind of, all the single people just were kind of laid out. And whenever we would sing that song, I, there was a part of me that was to stand up and say, that's not true. It's not true. There, there is something worse than being alone. But I guess that's really kind of the point the song was trying to make, but I think Paul makes it better that we're we're not alone, that we have the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, who helps us in our weakness. We have a presence within us that is there for us and that is going to, going to help us. And then Paul talks about one of the ways he does that. In the very next verse, he says, for example, we don't know what we ought to pray for. Now i got to tell you, I know what to pray for. I almost always know what to pray for. I, can, I want to pray for the pain to stop. I want to pray for a solution to be found. I want to pray for the crisis to end. I want to pray for the money to suddenly appear to take care of this bill. Uh, basically, I want to pray that the problem will go away, that it simply will not exist. But the, the real challenge in that is knowing, is that really the best thing to pray? We were this, this past week in Joplin, Missouri, Visiting our six-month-old grandson should have brought, I could have played videos, you know, for you. I'm, I know you're disappointed I'm not doing that, but just the sweetest little guy has one of the most pleasant dispositions I've ever seen in a, in a child. I mean, he's just amazing. We think he may be gifted, as a matter of fact, but, <clears throat> but he's just this beautiful little baby boy. He's always smiling, and, and, and I pray for him that just that he'll never lose that that life is not going to rob him of that disposition. And the way I pray that is, basically, God never let anything bad happen to Ethan, my grandson. Just never let anything bad. Well, what kind of adult would he turn out to be if God answered that prayer the way I prayed it? Um, How would he do if in this life nothing bad ever happened to him? So that's that's really probably not the best thing to be praying and and that's true of so many things that we might pray we, we just really don't know in fact i I really this is from the NIV, which I use sometimes but more often than not I use the new living translation and I like the way it's it's uh, translated here for example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for not we don't know what to pray for but we don't know the right thing to pray for. We don't know what God wants us to, to pray for. Um, and so, so that's kind of a little more, rea- makes more sense, doesn't it? That, yeah, I, I know maybe what to pray for, but what is that best thing to pray for? And so here's, here's what Paul's solution to that is in verse 27. He says, "...the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words." Have you had those moments where maybe you knew, okay, I'm, I want God, I need your help, but beyond that, you didn't know what to say. Uh, I and I've had those moments, and I suspect you have as well. Where I just, God, I'm just here. That's all I can do. Is I, I, I can't articulate what I'm feeling or what I'm struggling with. Uh, but I'm just, I'm just here before you. Well, what Paul is saying here is that this Holy Spirit who is within us, is taking that and he is finding expression for it with God. That that he is uttering these groanings to God that capture what what I am trying to get across and what I am feeling. And so as as I am praying, the Holy Spirit is praying. And he's expressing that. And then I, I love what he says next, that the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. They, they speak the same language. Um, you know, I've heard talk, You know, we, we think maybe there's this Holy Spirit language. Well, I don't need to know that language. God knows it and the Holy Spirit knows it. So they, God, God knows what the Holy Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Um, I, you know, I, he's not just expressing to God, for Tim, he's got it rough you know, help help him get through this. But he knows what is best because he knows the mind of God. And so he is expressing that in a language, in a way that God is able to understand. And I think I think all of what Paul is saying really changes prayer in two ways. One is it takes the pressure off of us to get it right. Or, to you know, if, if God's going to work in this situation, I've got to I've got to know what to ask him, and I've, I've got to express it just right. It just—it just removes all of that. You know, I, I have to confess that um, much of my prayer life is kind of helping God out. <laughs> uh, in fact, I'm surprised God could r- run the universe if I stopped praying. Because if you were to take all of my prayers and catalog them, and you know, and order them, probably what you would see—and I—and I don't deny this—is that basically I'm giving God his to-do list every day. God, here's what you need to do, and not just for me, but here's, here's this situation, and would you do this for this person, and would you do this for this church? Um, and so, God, here, here's your list of things to work on today. And there's, there is nothing wrong with telling God what we want and expressing our, our needs and desires to him. The Bible tells us to do that. It tells us to present our requests to God. But do you really want God to answer every prayer as you pray it? if it's up to me to get it right, do, do you really want God to answer every prayer the way that you pray it? And I can look back on my life and and see some prayers that i'm I'm glad God didn't answer that the way I was praying that That would not have turned out very well at all and I, i'm I'm glad that here I prayed this, but God did this. His, his way was a lot better. Do you, <clears throat> do you want God to do your will? Or do you want God to do His will? Which, which makes better sense? To follow the direction of someone whose, whose perspective is limited like ours is. It's limited to the, the present, uh, but even then, uh, we, we don't see all the ramifications in the present. To follow the direction of one whose perspective is limited, or to follow the perspective of one who knows all things, can see all things, and knows not only the present, but also the future. I, I love this passage. I came across it a few years ago at a time where I really needed to hear these words. And I, and I, I just, i remembered it ever since then. It was uh, written by Tim Keller. He said that God will only give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything He knows. Yeah, isn't that great? God, thankfully... God's not going to answer every prayer the way we pray it. Instead, God is going to answer the prayer the way we would have prayed it if we knew everything that God knows. And so, you know, do, I, do I pray for deliverance from trials? Or do I, I pray for the strength to endure a trial? Well, I think I pray for both. Uh, I just that's I, I pray for both but trusting that God is going to do whatever is best if it's deliverance God's going to deliver me and I just trust that if that's best for me best for his kingdom that's what God is going to do if it's I, I need to go through this are there other things going on that I don't know about Then that's not what needs to happen I, I know that I can trust that. that's still a struggle but but I can have that kind of confidence isn't that what Jesus models for us in the garden some people, Ruth, Haley Barton, and others have called this the prayer of indifference. And that's not a, necessarily a word that we think of when we think of prayer because indifference to us is kind of, you know, whatever, I don't, I don't really care. But it is simply praying that, God, I, you know, here's what I want, but what I most want is your will to be done. I am, I am indifferent toward, toward what I want as long as it's what you want to be done. And that's what Jesus did. God, I don't want to go through this i i do I do not want to go to the cross, God would you please find some other way would you find a way around that to still accomplish your purposes that's what god that 's what Jesus prayed for, but then what did he also pray? Not my will, but your will be done. Uh, what I most want to see happen here's here's what i'm praying, but my greatest prayer, what I most want to see happen is that that you will do what you and your loving, kind sovereignty know is the best thing to be done. And I, just, I trust you with that. And so it just kind of takes that pressure off of us when we realize what Paul is saying here. But the other thing is, it helps us handle the answers that we don't understand. In other words, the no's. Those times when we perceive God being silent. You know, I, I am like you perplexed about why bad things happen to good people. Why is it that we hear sometimes of you know, people will, will be traveling and uh, you know, they'll pray before they go, but there's still an accident and, and people die? Why is it that, that children suffer? Why, why is it that, that uh, someone who is so good and is making such a great contribution to life or the people around them uh, is diagnosed with cancer? when there are all kinds of bad people in this world who, who seem to prosper. I've been, I've been reading my Bible for a long, long time, and I don't, I don't have a satisfactory answer to those questions. But knowing that, well, the Holy Spirit is there, and as we're praying for these situations and others, the Holy Spirit is involved in that, and He is expressing those, those thoughts to God through those groanings that we, we can't express and he knows the mind of God, he knows everything that's going on. then somehow I think we're able to maybe kind of step back a little bit and say, I don't like this, and it is so hard, and it, it makes me angry even sometimes, but I, I trust God. And I trust that he's doing the right thing. And so even though I don't understand what that right thing is, I, I, I accept it. I don't like it, but but I accept. In other words, we don't turn away from God. I, I understand how this can happen. How um, you know life can be such that people would say, "Well, why would a good God let this happen?" And and I've seen people lose their faith because something bad happened to someone else or to themselves, and they they just abandon God altogether because of of that God didn't answer this prayer the way that they prayed it. I understand that. But maybe all we can do at times is just have this childlike faith that I don't get it, but I'm staying with God. I don't understand why this has happened. This makes no sense to me whatsoever, but I'm staying with God. And I I just trust that He's doing the right thing. And I, I think what all this does is it helps us be more confident in the role of the Holy Spirit as intercessor in our lives, as the one who is interceding for us. And it it makes it possible for us to really uh, believe, maybe more enthusiastically, what what Paul says in the next verse, in verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of, of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. We don't understand it all but we know that he's, he's at work. We, how do we know that? Because the Holy Spirit is expressing to him what we're going through, but he also knows the mind of God. So God's going to take all that, and he, he's going to work and bring about the, the very best thing. I love how he goes on here. We're going to skip down to verse 31, where he says, What, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? Again, the answer, no one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? And I'm just wondering if any of us are feeling that today. Um, Maybe we wouldn't voice that. Maybe intellectually we know that, well, of course Jesus loves us, but maybe there is a a voice within us somewhere that is thinking, have I just kind of slipped under the radar a little bit? Um, It's, you know, what I'm struggling with... um, Could it be that maybe because of my past failures or my inadequacies or the ways I've disappointed God that maybe, well, he still loves me, but not quite enough to act in my life. And then Paul gets really, really honest in, in fleshing out that question a little bit more. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute are in danger, are threatened with death, or we've lost our jobs, or there have been cutbacks, or someone has gotten sick. I mean, on and on we could go with those things in life that go wrong that make us question, is, is God for me? Is God really at work in my life? And he even, he even quotes Scripture on this. It says, the Scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. That's the way it feels sometimes. Paul says, no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Anybody have any of those? Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Indeed, nothing... And all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord? How do you hold on to that? I mean, I can believe that right now. You know, I'm sitting see it in the Bible, and it's it's easy to believe that right now, but how how can you really hold on to this kind of confidence that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, especially when we find ourselves in times of turmoil? How do you how do you keep that confidence? Or something he said, maybe you noticed it, back up in verse 34. Where he said, Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. He is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. What is he doing? Pleading for us. Jesus is at the right hand of God and he's pleading for us. We've heard that word already this morning, haven't we? Jesus is pleading for us, but back in verse 27, he said, the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So in whatever I'm facing in life, there is the Spirit of God that is dwelling within me, that is is pleading for me. He he is expressing what I'm feeling, what I'm going through in accordance with the will of God, in those groanings that I I could never even understand. He is conveying that to God. God, here's here's what what they're going through right now, and and I want to plead for them, because I'm in them, and we're connected and they're your children, and so I, I'm pleading on their behalf. Well, that's while that is going on, was he saying verse 34? That Jesus, who is there at the right hand of the throne of God, he's pleading for us as well. He's saying, Father, you know, they're they're mine, and they have claimed me, and, and I'm, I'm living in them as well. And so he is also making our case before a God who loves us to begin with. That's how I can be confident. That's how we can say with with such certainty that God is for us. Because we have the Spirit within us who is pleading to God. And we have Jesus who is in the presence of God also pleading with God on our behalf. Isn't that incredible? That whatever is going on in your life, the Holy Spirit is working on it. Jesus is working on it. I know that life can be difficult at times. Life can be wonderful, but still have difficult moments. I, I think there are situations where we realize we just can't make it on our own. And we need help. Well, according to Paul, we've got it. We, we have that help. So we end the same place that we began this morning. We know that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for just your, your commitment to us and what you have vested in us, um, that you have given us your son and you let him go to the cross so that we could be in a relationship with you and you put your spirit within us. And um, we are just... Uh, it, Admitting that there are times where we lose sight of all that and we think we're on our own, and I'm thankful for these words of Paul that have reminded us that you are for us and you're going to do whatever it takes to get us home to you in the end. Uh, And until that time comes, help us just continue to look to you and uh, trust you even when it's difficult and help us be confident uh, that your spirit is going to help us in our weakness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.